Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great end has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, I don't believe you. <laughs> the man behind the curtain who is pulling the strings when it comes to what we see and read in the news and even on our social media pages these days. Technology, transparency, journalism, ethics, AI. We will do our best to really pull back the curtain this hour and explore all of those themes on today's show. Welcome to Trending. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for Timory for the next few days. Always glad to be with you. And joining me today is correspondent and investigative journalist for The Daily Wire, Bree Dale. Bree also recently returning from four years in Rome and also a former U.S. Naval Surface Warfare Officer and a grad, by the way, of Christendom College. So happy to welcome her to the show. Hi, Bree. Hi, Brooke. It's great to hear from you. And hello, everybody at Relevant Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, and now you're back stateside. So just wondering, how are you getting settled from Italy after four years? That's a little bit tough, but probably (laughs) nice to be home, too. Honestly, um, it's a a bit of a relief. And also, I'm definitely missing being able to just walk down the street and go to confession at St. Peter's whenever Mm. I wanted to or needed to. Um, I will tell you, though, Brooke, it's, uh, you know, returning back to the States, even though we are facing a lot in the news and coming year, um, I am feeling a bit of a relief to tell you the truth. There's a there's a, a sense of real um, oppressiveness um, being really at the center of where we have a lot of spiritual warfare in the world, you know, being that the church is centered in Rome here in Vatican. It's it's just Sometimes you kind of need to step back from the front lines, and I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to do so. And I'm in the great state of Florida, and we'll be here probably for the next year. So really, really, oh, just grateful. Not a bad landing place. <laughs> That's for no, sure. That's really. a nice soft landing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank no, you for what God, you do. God willing. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, and for your support. Yeah, and it's been with you. I wrote you a letter for for Christmas, and it got lost in the Italian mail, but just (laughs) a holy card and just a sincere heart for your faithfulness, because I can't even imagine a little bit of what we see as you, a Catholic reporter, journalist, correspondent, but so much of what we don't see. And as you mentioned, the spiritual warfare is real. And I want to talk about that, not only for you in your career and your charism, but for all of us who are in an election year. We just today saw so many stories. There are AI deepfakes, there are cell phones going down and networks and so many things we're trying to keep on top of. So just to kind of set the table, I ran across something that I wanted to get your perspective on and really everybody to see what you think about this. It was something that I heard 
back in 2020 and I took notes on. I remembered it. I tucked it away and I brought it out. So this is four years now and would really like to hear what you think from four years ago based on where we are now. And it came from a podcast that I had listened to about the CIA and it was with uh, David Scheimer. He is from Oxford and Yale and he wrote a book on electoral interference and media manipulation. Mm -hmm. And so this is what he said. These are in my own notes, by the way, so I'm just going to paraphrase, but this is what it it says. He says, uh, when it comes to foreign actors and interference in our constitutional republic, one observation has been that this is intentional internal disruption that will corrupt the system. Certain elected leaders will degrade American democracy, resulting in the United States not being able to lead abroad and essentially unable to function. Think about that. So again, this is four years ago. If this mission is realized, America will become a society degraded and in some ways unrecognizable. Americans will no longer even believe the process of succession. And without the process of succession, you don't really have a democracy. And that was the end of my notes. So uh, based on what you're seeing, and that was four years ago, and that report, how much of that prediction are you worried is true or impending now? Well, um, you know, Brooke, I don't think it's a, a new prediction. It is something that um, has been predicted for decades now. In fact, what calls calls to mind is a video that's fairly well known. You can find it on YouTube from a um, KGB defectant, someone who, who left the KGB. His first name is Yuri. I do believe his last name is Krasmov, but you'll have to take a look and, and double check that. But um, uh, his background was in um, uh, what we would consider psyops today. It's actually kind of where the Russians were involved with uh, in the infiltration of Western society, particularly focused on the on the United States, um, but how they went about it, how they de- determined how to infiltrate the United States. And why is that an important thing? Why is PSYOP such a big deal? And why is it so impactful within um, the world of journalism today? Um you know, it, it is it is essential because hot wars, i.e., you know, the the warheads on foreheads, what we're seeing right now in in the Middle East and elsewhere. That's one way of approaching warfare. But for the the Russians during uh, the Cold War, they recognized that that um, that force was met with overwhelming force from the United States side, and uh, and so they realized that that was likely not going to be their best angle to try to infiltrate and change, quote, hearts and minds towards their cause. And so what the what they did, and, and this is well documented, um, and we know this because we, we have um, the history to prove it, and it's the, the, the ending uh, kind of um, the, the state of the, the current state in the United States is really what they were predicting and what they were uh, seeking to do was to infiltrate culture, religion, politics, education, and to do so, they're very good at the long game, to do so Mm -hmm. um, step by step. And in fact, Brooke, um, we know this to be the case because um, the U.S., the the Congress, set up a a congressional committee 
on, uh, quote, un-American activities, if you recall, um, because the FBI and the CIA recognized that this was an uh, intelligence in, um, infiltration. And what they were trying to do was focus on uh, the media, but in the entertainment business and in an entertainment world. And we know that that, you know, the whole idea of manipulation um, through video and, and music is, is very powerful. So that was a good point to, to kind of look at how the, the Russians were doing so. But um, it, what ended up not happening was looking at the other parts of culture. So what we're seeing today, I do believe, is a culmination of the PSYOP war that has been going on for decades. And in fact, um, you know, when you listen to this, and I highly recommend people taking a chance to go to YouTube and listen to this ex-KGB uh, officer who was in, this was his job. Uh, talking about the infiltration and what they were, what were they were planning on doing? Um, it's really by the book uh, to yeah. how to uproot um, culture and information and manipulate in that way, Brooke. Yeah, and you're right. Just to underscore that and, and to give the name, it is KGB defector. And this is 1984, so as you're talking about way back, and it's right. Yuri Alexandrovich. Uh, right. Bezmenov, and as you said, Bezmenov. it's on yeah. YouTube. That's so, in, in the in the Shimer, the author was saying the last one hundred years, Russia has had this long game, and but we know it's not just one bad actor. There's China. There's other things going on, and it's within and without, meaning within our own country and our own borders and outside as well. Because yes. we've also got this technology that is incredibly intuitive, this generative AI. And I saw just this week the FCC issued a ruling that AI-generated calls are illegal, but we know they're not going away. And part of it was this case that was cited of a robocall that went out in New Hampshire to voters, mm -hmm. sounding like President Biden saying, save your vote for the November election, and it was a deep fake. So I know you've said, we it's so far along, we really, most people have no idea how advanced this actually is. No, in fact, you know, when we were talking about um, what, you know, planning for this show and talking about this particular, um, you know, topic, I, I had sent you a video that I came across back in 2016 of um, deepfake in real time utilizing um, the face and the actions and the voice, because, of course, you use an actor, a voice actor of um, that simulated uh, President Bush. And it was very real. And this was real time. And uh, and now with technology's advancement, um, the question really has to be, what can we recognize the serious um, technological advancements from countries like China, Russia, um, Iran is a little bit, but um, technologically advanced. But in this case, it would be really China. Um, and even with from within the United States, as as you mentioned, can we recognize what is fake and what is real, especially in real time video reports? So this is something that as a journalist, uh, we have to, we journalists have to be even more on our guard, be even more intuitive in in seeking out the ethical um, cooperation of reporting video and and photographs and audio getting multiple confirmations from independent sources, it's going to take longer for us to report the news as is as we start to see this development. And I, I want to make it really clear to our listeners. Um, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas 
when he points out created things created by man, they are neither good nor evil, but they are utilized for good or evil. So when it comes to the human person, we have to realize the technology itself is not an evil. It could be for a very good, a good thing. I mean, AI has like really supported in being able to help me write outlines and be able to think of my thoughts. And AI is a, it's a, a great tool, but it can be used for sincere evil purposes. Um, and, and that's where we're at at this point. We're in a, what I consider a post-Christian era where ethics are no longer the top priority for many, many people, and in particular, those of us who in, in the media. So, yes, it's very difficult. AI and technology has made this uh, a new frontier. Even the Israeli-Hamas war, I know you had talked about digitally altered media that played a role in propaganda that ended up going worldwide that journalists did not even know was fake and so obviously it's very difficult to detect yeah in that particular situation i think people can recall right at the beginning of israel's um advancement on hamas there was a claim that uh by hamas media hamas owned media that israel had uh, bombarded had attacked a hospital um, in a christian hospital and um, they provided video from the ground of uh, supposedly f- over 500 people dead, the hospital completely destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, in this particular situation, what we're dealing with is um, basic propaganda information operations, um, some manipulation, definitely the use of the digital media world and the man- manipulation of that to push out a narrative and confirm already um, established biases, especially within the worldwide media. So they jumped on that narrative without cooperating. But within the circles, and uh, I can talk a little bit about like how I go about getting and confirming news from the ground oftentimes, um, because X has been a really, really amazing tool, or formerly Twitter, now X, has been a really amazing tool to connect with people on the ground in Israel and in, in Palestine. Um, from within five to 10 minutes of the initial reports, I was seeing video. Um, actually some of that video was coming out in real time and it was very clear that something occurred to one of the, the, the rockets that had been misfired where it came from. There was a question we had to pause and put that aside. Where did it come from? But something had occurred, but the videos that were coming out were suspect. And so um, the call to that I gave was stand by. This is suspect. There's not a lot of cooperation. And yet, you know, many of my colleagues went ahead and pushed the publish button. And, and mm-hmm. that came with real world effects, Brooke. We had yeah. we had people um, in in Egypt, in Jordan, uh, riot that evening um, in in, uh, you know, response to in outrage against Israel and started burning down um, barriers outside the U.S. embassy, outside Israeli um, embassies. So there was real-world effects to that violence. The next day, the sun rises, and what did we see? An empty parking lot, no deaths reported. And so did we see the media sit back and, and fall on their sword and say, mea culpa, we'll do better? Not at all. In fact, by that time, the, the damage had been done, and it was the new day, the new news cycle. Let's just bury that. And that is the impact 
of disinformation operations. Yeah, and it's difficult because for responsible citizens, you want to do your civic duty and at least be informed, maybe not obsessed and spend our lives looking at the headlines and watching 24-hour news outlets, but to just have enough so that we can get the facts and yet how elusive that seems to be. And then even trusted journalists sometimes can fall prey to either, again, propaganda or purposeful manipulation or just maybe inexperienced because the ethics isn't there, that formation. And so I know we are up against a break pretty soon, but how do you see us being able to stop, kind of get ahead of it, or just mitigate being able to spot the manipulative news or the narratives? So two things. First, I would say never trust, always verify. That's Mm -hmm. my mantra as a journalist. Second thing is always uh, determine how it's impacting your emotions first. Are you getting angry? Are you getting scared? The emotional manipulation is how they hook you. So that's the first thing that I would say. Has has the information been presented in a factual way? Is it looking to tug at your emotions or is it looking to provide you information? We're there to inform you so that you can you can inform your opinions for yourself, not to form your opinions for you. When we come back, we have to take a quick break. I want to get to TikTok because I know that's a whole other topic in and of itself and also kind of preparing us for the months ahead here with the election and what to be aware of. Uh, correspondent and investigative journalist for The Daily Wire, Bree Dale, is with us. We've been talking about the rise of manipulation in the media, social media, and that well-formed conscience that is so necessary to navigate so much. I love what you just said, Brie, about kind of examining our conscience and how are we emotionally? Are we rooted in the gospel of John? Our blessed Lord says, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And so in the confusion and so many voices, may we always desire to hear the voice of our Father and seek Him first. So much more to come here on Trending. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Phones are open, by the way, one 914 if you want to connect with Breed back in a moment here on Relevant Radio and the app. video came out if you are of that age you can recall that it was such advanced technology with these kind of puppet characters of genesis now we're talking about the technology that is nearly indistinguishable from reality these ai deep fakes and also when you think about confusion you go to i think of the early church christians were called saints because their whole lives were imbued with the presence of christ they were never the majority but they transformed the world. So just thinking of what an incredible heritage we have and a good reminder because we are living in the land of confusion. So a lot that can pull our gaze away from what matters, distract our hearts, fill us with anxiety. Bree just offering a fantastic insight about that. And to recall that the primary occupation of all of us, of disciples of Jesus, 
those who follow Christ must be our sanctification and to be saints. So just a good reminder, but also important to be thinkers in custody of our mind. And that's what we're talking about with my guest. She is a correspondent journalist and works for the Daily Wire. And up until very recently, also embedded in Rome for the last four years, now back in the States. And we've been talking about the rise of media manipulation the importance of a well-formed conscience just to navigate a lot of the confusion. And Bree, I know we want to get to TikTok and especially with this upcoming election, but I want to grab Rudy also on the line. He's calling in from Orange County, California with a comment. Hi, Rudy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, Thank you very much. How's it going so far? <laughs> good, good. And uh, I'm glad okay. you're able to connect with Bree because you said in college, was it political science that you took that had a teacher with um, kind of a insight about this? I graduated in 1989. So this is going to date myself. I went to community college in Cyprus. Okay. And our instructor was a socialist. He stated he was a socialist. Mm-hmm. And the two books he wanted us to read was from Michael Parenti. One, Democracy for the Few. And the other one, inventing reality. Now, inventing reality is how to manipulate the media. Because there's a quote in there from Walter Cronkite on his last day. He stated, he goes, quote, my lips have been sealed to the American public, unquote. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite an interesting thing. You know, a lot of people do know that there has been an operation ongoing, by the way, uh, known as Project Mockingbird, uh, that uh, was involved with getting into uh, intelligence uh, operatives within the media. Uh, for good or for ill, there's uh, it's 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 pretty clear that the media has always been used or manipulated um, in, and we're talking all countries. Um, in in a way to um, formulate uh, information to give to the general public. I like to tell people, though, that uh, journalists, uh, we are there to inform you so that you may form your own opinions, not form your opinions for you, right? So how do we go about uh, doing that? Well, we have to be able to, it's, I, it, it tends to be like this. It's, it tends like when we expect our children to uh, write a book report and cite their books. You know, they're not going to say, oh, this was from an anonymous source, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like what happens if a child writes a book report and says, well, these sources are anonymous. Um, It's going to likely fail, right? And so why do we expect uh, our our children to write book reports and provide evidence to support their arguments or their theses, um, but not expect uh, professionals to do the same. If I can't reveal a a source's name, for example, uh, and I keep my sources anonymous for their own protection, then I'm going to uh, ask them to provide evidence to support their statements, not just, you know, the rumors. That's not how I work. There are other journalists who might push the envelope on ethics in that way, but Um, Yeah, I mean, how do you go about uh, reporting the news if your news is easily manipulated through, um, you know, through the anonymous sourcing and and, you know, the intelligence? That's their job is to manipulate and to control narratives. That's the the job of the intelligence community, uh, aside from gathering up the secrets of your enemies. 
Well, and I think, Rudy, it's really interesting, Rudy, that that you remember that all these years ago and, you know, the young moldable Rudy. And, and just, again, we think of the universities, the schools and kind of the activist teachers. We talk about activist journalists. There are also a lot of activist teachers out there. We know that now and things that are also baked into the curriculum or just that are added extra. So, again, that formation of having custody of our minds and critical thinking, like you were saying, Bree, when you don't cite a source, there should be a red flag for all of us. And just kind of the general layperson journalism 101 reminder, what the model, what the prototype should be, the maxims are to be accurate, to be fair. Don't make yourself the story. Be a voice for the voiceless. Hold the powerful accountable. Tell essential yeah. truths. But see, therein lies the rub, it seems, because we can't even agree on what's knowable, right? Like, even if it used mm-hmm. to be the different sides, different opinions, you could at least come together on objective facts and truth like biology, like gender. And today, right. uh, it's just not, even when you're reading what you think might be an objective media outlet, there does seem to be right in the verbiage Okay, using the phrase anti-choice or transphobic. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is polemics. It undermines ethics. It's not integrity. Right. And and you really put a finger right into the wound of Western society right now, which is we've gone so far to the idea that, oh, I've, it's your truth, my truth, subjective right. truth. Well, if everything is subjective, then there's nothing real. Right. And yet uh, we as Christians know that we are rooted in the truth. And thanks be to God, we have Aristotle and Plato to cite if we're going to talk uh, on the terms of the uh, of those who are non-religious. And Thomas Aquinas, who built upon Aristotle and mm-hmm. Augustine, who built upon um, Plato to be able to come to uh, to an understanding of how to discern truth. And that's the thing that that, that drives me, Brooke, in my work is um adherence to factual evidence and to serving the truth who is jesus who is you know is incarnate uh truth so for me that's my charism as you as you put it um but there are people who are driven in other ways whether it's power and controlling a narrative or money a lot of journalists a lot of people don't understand but a lot of journalists to make their money after their work in journalism, after a few years establishing themselves, they go on to big PR firms and they make a lot of money on the PR side of things. So, yeah, it's 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 all about, you know, how do you control a narrative? How do you manipulate someone's emotions? All of those things are the, the pivotal point in today's society of manipulation. You, you brought up uh, education. It's the same thing. So I think that the, the combating that portion of, of how things are manipulated, teaching your children how to think critically, uh, those are going to be uh, skill sets that are, are absolutely necessary to navigate this world. Also, too, you have surprises like the Babylon Bee. I think it is so effective <laughs> because it's a satire site, but it really underscores the insanity of woke illusion. And it really is helpful, I think. Yes. Uh, you know, and that that's part and parcel of the intelligence behind the Babylon Bee is that yes. um, it's just pointing out the things that are true anyways. People will point out other, um, you know, cartoon 
um, shows that are comedic in nature, that the comedy of seeing absurdity is something that I think a lot of people can wake up to reality for. So, and, and, and I will tell you like daily wire, just to put a plug in, we, we tend to see the comedy and the absurdity as well. So uh, the commentators on, on daily wire sites tend to, to, to find that, seek that out. Yeah. Grateful because it is, it is performing a service in its own niche, in its own way. Uh, and I want to, just because I'm, I'm looking at our time and I don't want to forget about TikTok because it remains so big in different demographics, certainly though for the younger ages, 12 plus, even maybe younger, is that as dangerous and problematic as many suspect when it comes to propaganda and psyops? Absolutely, probably one of the most dangerous apps that are out there um, because of the target, uh, to target nature of, of the app. Number one, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, they they own this app. Okay, make no mistake, the app is not permitted in China. Uh, and the the form of the app that they have in China has different uh, content that's well different than what we see on on TikTok in the United States and in the West, and that's purposefully done. Um, uh, what we have seen with t- TikTok, and especially it coming out during the pandemic. When so many children were isolated from uh, the natural progression of social and interaction is that we see and, and I, I point to multiple times where we see um, the manipulation of emotions and children in their psycho in, in psychological uh, ways, uh, you know, showing children crying, showing children not knowing who they are and and going to the world and saying, tell me who I am and having that vulnerability manipulated by bad bad actors and a perfect example that i brought up um to you earlier was a video on tiktok that was um ai produced um deep fake produced of a of a girl many people saw this because it went viral um taking a ring acting as if she was going to be engaged and as soon as she slips her finger into the ring she sees like foretellings of of servitude domestic servitude and all the things she would have to do for her husband and she walks away from that of course that the target audience are young oppression impressionable um adults uh who are thinking should i get married right and even deeper and more insidious the nuclear family the breakdown of the nuclear family is the break is the target of 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 these bad actors because you break down the nuclear family, the domestic church, you break down the whole church, uh, the universal church. And right there is that diabolical stamp. I mean, there's no mistaking it because we know that is the enemy and the entire cell of society is the family. And so it's interesting that, again, it, it's just in this physical and metaphysical sense all playing out together. Yeah. I mean, you can't get away from that. Correct. So that's why, you know, when I as a journalist I say that I, I seek to serve the truth, um, I'm a human being. I'm, I, I fail at times. And if I do fail, the, the mark of a true journalist uh, who serves the truth is to uh, to acknowledge the failure and, and make it as public as that, which they, you know, first presented it. And then and then correct it you know and and i think that that's the point that a lot of people are are missing today is that mm-hmm. the accountability to the truth 
is what is going to keep journalists in line to serving the truth. And if we can't do that for ourselves as well, if we can't hold accountable to the truth, if we allow ourselves to to go into the emotional, then how do we expect those outside of us to do so? So I, I think that that's a big challenge for those of us moving forward, especially in this election year. And that that's what I wanted to ask you about with the time that we have is maybe advice you could offer when it comes to preparing for the months ahead. Because even if you're not on social media and say, I don't even have any of those problems, I'm not on Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, but we still do have an encounter again with robocalls or hopefully you are aware of at least the campaigning and the things that are inevitably going to be manipulated. So how do we consume news without losing our soul or our sanity? Very difficult today. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I'm back in the States is to, to cover the election this year um, okay. from the Catholic angle. Uh, one of the things that I would say and I suggest for people to understand is that it's going to be out there. There's going to be a lot of manipulation, but I would ask people to think back four years ago and just ask yourselves, are, were you better off then or now? And start from the press, uh, the premise of, okay, if I was better off, i.e. psychologically, I felt a little bit more stable. Um, ask yourself, what were some of the contributing factors to the destabilization of how your life is, is going or how your family is uh, facing these challenges? Ask what those things are. It could be social. It could be moral. It could be uh, economic. It, it could be a, a plethora of things. And then from there, ask whether or not, especially those who are in our local and state um, elections, as well as our national elections, but local and state have a lot of impact on you. Ask if those individuals have a proactive means, not just promises, but a plan of action to address certain things. If they don't, and they're just, you know, pondetry, and they're presenting, you know, uh, emotional, emotionally charged um, rhetoric, uh, and there's their king upon fear in particular. That's a big key right now, fear. Um, yeah. Then you've got to you've got to ask yourself whether or not that's the person to represent you. Also, I just saw this question from Patrick. I'm sorry, I missed it until now, Patrick. He said, will TikTok ever be banned in the USA or is it too late? I remember seeing the hearings a while back ago, but do you know that or have there been any developments with that? I think on government devices, right. it is banned, right? It, on government devices, it's, it, it was ba- banned within, I think, a month of it coming out, uh, if I if I recall correctly. Okay. Um, it it it's it shouldn't be allowed, I don't believe, in the in the United States period because it is a national security threat, and that has been It's been there's overwhelming evidence to that, um, but I don't believe that uh, under this administration it will be banned. Um, potentially under the next administration. It will be. And hopefully we'll see that happen because, again, it is it has been a key tool. As I said before, uh, one that I think has been one of the most dangerous tools uh, utilized during a time of real vulnerability in the United States and and in particular in the West uh, during the pandemic. Um, Really just uh, a a big win for the for the bad guys. So let's hope we can see that um, banned. Yeah, it is vexing. Like, how is it still so widespread and pervasive? But I guess, again, it's the habit. And there is great science behind what addicts us. And it just seems like that has been very effective. Right. And 
you know, the Brooke, you know, the negative, the negative things, you know, people talk about dopamine hits on social media and that's there, but the negative dopamine hits are there as well. And there are a mm. lot of people who feed off of the negative dopamine hits in TikTok, the negative things. Yeah. Which is again, that's it's diabolical. And then you wonder, you know, why there's so many mental health issues and it's exactly. it's hard. Um, okay. We just have a few more minutes, but I wanted to ask you, with the border and what you see as a journalist, I know you are a correspondent, you're not a prophet, but, but you know, there are social scientists, political scholars saying there might be a black swan event with this upcoming election. Is there, I mean, how do you feel? And of course, we all go back to the root, the truth, beauty and goodness of Christ, but also again, trying to be, you know, a good steward of our minds and critically think, what is your takeaway? And, and is there anything that we can do to, uh, prepare or just be detached? Uh, what is your insight there? Prepare means, uh, in, in my opinion, at this point, it means boots on ground, getting the vote out and getting people um, uh, to vote. That's one of the things that we saw uh, and we've seen in prior elections uh, has been that uh, the left is very well organized and, and particularly the left. And uh, they have a big ground game when it comes to early voting. Um, so, it, you know, use that same process. It is legal. Vote early and engage and encourage others to vote. Um, it's an important uh, right is our right uh, in, in democracy to vote. But also uh, understand that, um, you know, when it comes to the open borders, uh, it is, uh, you know, a country cannot be sovereign if it doesn't have borders. And there's an intent on certain um, groups, globalists in, in mind, who want a complete open border. And, and and that their intent has been put on paper in the 2030 agenda. You can look it up. Um, it's from the from the EU. Uh, and uh, it's it's very it's very concerning when you take a look at that and the, the control also of food. That's why we're, we're not hearing a lot of it in the United States, but that's why in Europe there's been a mass uprising of farmers who aren't very political in nature, but are very concerned about where um, their, the, the uh, pressure is coming from uh, the governments outside their countries on how they can regulate food and food production. So um, it is necessary to understand the current challenges today but yes, national security and a sovereign border is part and parcel to that. And it's shocking to me that this administration has yet to use executive power to close the borders, especially because we have no idea of who these people are. They're not being vetted and they're being allowed to go free into the country. Um, so it's very concerning. Yeah, and I think we all feel it and, and continue to pray for wisdom, action, uh, prudence, justice, all of that for sure. Um, yes. We ask all of the patron saints of communication, of reporting to intercede, encourage you, all journalists, St. Maximilian Colby, St. Francis de Sales, the Archangel Gabriel, God bless you. Thank you. We pray for your fidelity and courage. And Bree, if we want to connect with you, where do we find you and your reporting? Well, I'm at the Daily Wire, so I'll continue to do my reporting on the church and also uh, what's going on in the United States and in the world uh, at the Daily Wire. You can also find me on X, uh, and I'm also in X Spaces. So if you want to talk with me, definitely join when uh, I post on X Spaces, because those are great ways of connecting with other people from the ground throughout the world. Got it. 
Thank you. You're the best. God bless you, Bree Dale. Thank you. God it's bless Brooke you. Taylor. Thank you. You're welcome in for Timory and Mary Lenneberg is back with a Lenten retreat. She'll join us right after the break in a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Trending. It is Brooke Taylor in for Timmerie. Thank you for spending time with me today. Good to be with you as we continue our Lenten journey. A lot of people delete apps. They, they take time. They face for, fast from social media for 40 days. But my next guest has chosen a different route to connect, to create, to bring souls closer to the heart of Christ over Lent. And that is Mary Lenneberg. I want you to take a listen to what she's doing. God is making a way for you right now. Whatever you are walking through, whatever tragedy you have experienced, whatever choices you have made that have left you in this place of darkness and of doubt and of fear and whatever yuck is there, I need you to hear me. He brings beauty from the ashes. He will make a way for you. Yes, he will. That is the voice of wife, mom, writer, speaker, Mary Lenneberg. Happy to welcome her now to the program. Hi, Mary. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Good. It's good to hear your voice here live and those messages every day. It's really beautiful to see you do that. So tell us about the prompting, the inspiration to make these daily reflections. Well, I mean, it's Lent and Lent is hard. It can be very Lenty, as I say, in my house for a lot of people. And it certainly has been for us this year and it has been in the past. And I just felt the calling, uh, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be encouraging And I think people are lacking encouragement. They're lacking someone to be their cheerleader, to say to them, you know, I know that you're going through a hard time, but you're not alone in that. Like people are praying for you. The Lord is with you. He is faithful. He is true. And he's not going to abandon you. And I think a lot of people, especially during Lent, they get quiet. And when you get quiet, sometimes there's a whole lot that happens in your mind and in your heart. And I just felt the call to be a a voice of encouragement and a voice of hope in that quiet. Yeah, and I love that you say that because, of course, the quiet is good and the stillness is good, but it is also a battlefield. And so you are there to echo the words of our Lord and the saints and the, the beauty of the truth of Scripture. And you've always been very honest and earnest that the messages you share have been born from Calvary and surviving and carrying some very heavy crosses in your life. So maybe you could share a bit of your story and how you've encountered our Lord in the midst of what you've experienced and how that has turned you up to heaven and out to other hearts to help. Well, I had the great privilege and honor of uh, being a mom of four souls, two that I lost to miscarriage, and um, our son who is, is fine and doing well and married and has a child, and then our daughter, Courtney, I passed away when she was 22 and she was a profoundly special needs, medically fragile child. And um, her life and her legacy of love changed our family. Um, Where most children that are like Courtney tend to pull a family apart. You know, it's an 80% divorce rate for those parents with kids with special needs. In our case, you know, something very different happened. She pulled us together and she kept us together. She was the glue of love that helped my husband and I as we faced 
addiction in our lives, myself to food, my husband to pornography. She was there uh, as kind of like the the moth to the flame of Christ's love. You know, she just led us to him. And because we were able to rally around her and be a team to care for her and to love her, she saved our family and she saved our family without ever saying a word. And so I've stood at the grave of my child. I have faced hardship within my marriage. I have gone on a personal journey with the Lord to overcome addiction in my own mind, my heart, and my body. And so I know what it is to feel alone and isolated and to not have anybody know that that, those are the battles that I'm facing. And the whole world would look at us and, and they had no idea what we were going through. They just thought, oh, that's Mary and Jerry. That's Courtney's parents. Oh, they're fine. They're always smiling. They're at church on Sunday. They're doing the things. But nobody knew of our personal battles until our daughter passed away and then the Lord prompted me to write a book and then another book and go Mm -hmm. and speak and share and encourage others that when you are going through the valley of the shadow of death, you should fear no evil because the Lord has gone before you to prepare a way. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the grief, but it gives us hope, hope that, you know, our life here is temporary, but we are meant for heaven. And, and so we forget that, you know, we forget that in the noise, we forget that in the pain, we forget that in the grief, and we forget that in the hard work of life. And so I just, I know that the Lord has called me to this ministry of encouragement, to this ministry of accompaniment, and um, this Lent, this is what it sort of sounds like and looks like for me. Again, we're here with Mary Lenneberg, and Mary, we're just getting ready to pray the family rosary across America with Father Rocky just in our last few minutes here. And as we're doing this as a family, all fitting snugly under our lady's mantle and tucked right next to her immaculate heart. And so as we lift up millions, multiple hundreds of millions maybe of intentions tonight to the throne of grace in our Lord, what is maybe one little seed that you can plant? for us to consider about the here and now, how God is working in our lives, this Lent, this moment, even when we may not feel His presence or be fatigued and struggling. The whole point of our life is to love. And so God asks us to love the person right in front of us. That's all. That's all He's asking you to do. It's not a big job but it's the best job that we could ever have. So we turn to the person in front of us and we love them right where they are because that's what the Lord does for us every day. And that's what our lady does. She walks with us. I call her our lady of sorrows, cause of my joy, because Mm -hmm. she taught me how to live with her example. So just love the person right in front of you. Don't make it complicated. Just do it. Mm. Yes. And again, it's the present moment. It's, it's, you know, attend to what is before you. And sometimes that can be the most difficult thing, but it is what our Lord calls us and how he sanctifies us. And there's such beauty in that. Thank you so much, Mary. And how can we connect with you? You mentioned your books. Of course, we've been talking about your reflections, which we can find every day. And what's the best way to get in touch with you? On social media, you can follow me at Mary Lenneberg, and then I have a website and a blog where I write, and I do all the things at MaryLenneberg.com. And are you going to be um, speaking anywhere soon? I, I, saw I an am. I am in Oregon in March, and I head up to the Buffalo uh, Women's Conference in Buffalo, New York in April, and I'll be in Toronto, Canada in April. So you can just go to my website, and it'll tell you exactly where I'm going to be.
Okay, we'll check it out. Thank you. And keep it up because it is encouraging. And I know a lot of people, like you said, in the stillness, in the silence of Lent might not uh, respond or you don't even know that they're there, but there's a beauty in that because you're giving it to the Lord and there's such beautiful fidelity in just doing what you're told and you don't know who it's going to reach or how it'll impact them, but it's those seeds. So God bless you and, and thank you for all you do, Mary. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. God bless you and have a happy and holy Lent. Thank you. You too. Mary Lenoberg. Again, you can find her online on Instagram, on Facebook. And also a big thank you to Bree Dale. If you missed her, she is worth going back and listening, sharing the show. If you missed the first part, as we discussed, media manipulation, having custody of our mind, prudence, practicing critical thinking when we are consuming any sort of news or social media for that matter. That's one of the great gifts I'm so thankful for with Relevant Radio is to be able to have that formation and talk about these things in a way that will always point us back to being a saint. And so Bree Dale, again, you can find correspondent and you can also share the podcast that you heard. I will be back with you again tomorrow. Lila Lawler will be my guest and she has a three volume series of books called The Summa Domestica. So it's going to be all about motherhood and our vocation. Just a quick concluding note from Cardinal Seurat. He says, I firmly believe that our love, our heart finds its deepest source in the Eucharist. Every time we receive communion, we are there in heaven. Liturgy is the joy of God. So as we pray and as we lift up our prayers, God bless you. Thank you to Jim. Thank you to Patrick Alog on the phone. And thank you for being here. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. This is Trending. God bless you.